Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Book Journeys Radio. I am your host, Angela Loria. I'm the founder of the Author Incubator and creator of The Difference Process for Writing a Book That Matters. And I am really excited that on today's show, we are talking to somebody who um, is on a mission to make a difference in the lives of um, at least one million job seekers and, and hopefully even more. Her name is Abby Kohut, and Abby is the author of Absolutely Abby's 101 Job Search Secrets. Um, Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It, it is great to have you here. Obviously, um, job search is uh, is an important, you know, people are, we, we have unemployment challenges and our economy hasn't been doing so great, so job search secrets are, are well in need. Um, and I would just love to hear more about how, um, you know, how you came to write this book and also about, uh, I guess, the, the mission that you find yourself on. Sure. Well, it all started when I was at Human Resources um, professional, and I've been doing that for approximately uh, 18 years now, and I've recruited about 10,000 people in my career. Wow. And Yeah, and what happened was if you recruit 10,000 people and hire 10,000 people, you end up rejecting a lot of people. And what used to bother me is that I really wanted to tell the person across the desk why they weren't getting the job. So I would think it and know it, but I couldn't tell anybody. So I decided to set up my website, which is now called absolutelyfb.com. And on there, I tell job seekers the absolute truth. It's stuff that normal recruiters just won't tell them. And so that's and how it all just started. And enlighten me. Why, why won't normal recruiters tell them? Why can't you tell people? Well, it's not the recruiter's job to counsel or coach somebody mm. on how to do better on their interview. It's really just our job to recruit. And if you don't do a good job, then we have to go find somebody that does. So that's that's one of the reasons, but there are many reasons. And so um, that's that's the biggest, though. It's really just not our it, – it's, it's not even – like, honestly, if it's my opinion that you didn't answer the question right, it's really just my opinion. Recruiting is all about opinions. And so that's what makes it so difficult to make a match between a person and a job. But – Ultimately, that's what goes on, and so recruiters, we've just we're just not supposed to tell people the reason. Like we're not supposed to say when when we asked you this question, you said this, and you should have said that. So anyway, right. I started, yeah. So I started speaking all around New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, while I was a full time recruiter, and I found that I wasn't able to meet enough people. So I created a mission to help a million job seekers and started driving around the country in an RV. And I'm talking to you today from Dallas. Uh, we made it halfway across the country. We left in September, and we're planning to stay out on the road till at least December and on a mission to educate one million job seekers. That is quite a mission. And how are you, uh, how are you finding people? How, how do you find these million people? Well, most of the time, job seekers get together in networking groups, and so mm. they get together at churches, at YMCA's, at temples, at um, army bases, those types of things, so libraries too. So we call all those venues, and we ask them if 
they would like to have a speaker come, and so I go and speak for them. And that's how I find them. That is fantastic. Thank so, you. and then how and why a book? How did you um, how did you decide to turn that uh, idea into a reality? Well, what happened was this is back in two thousand and nine. I started my website in May of two thousand nine, and I was speaking a little here, a little there, and then all of a sudden it was approximately September, I think, and I realized that I had all of these speaking gigs booked in January. So I had like four or five or six or something booked in January already and it was already it was only September. And I thought to myself, well wouldn't it be good if I had a book to bring to the speaking events so I could offer it to people there and they could gain even more knowledge. And so that was the ammunition that I needed and that's how I got it done very quickly. And from the from the time that you had the idea till you finished it, how long did it take you to write it, and then how long to have it in your hand? It took me about, I want to say, three months to write it and to edit it, and then it took me another month or so to have it in my hand. Wow, that is the fastest turnaround. I've interviewed over 100 people for this show. I've never heard anyone turn around that fast. Yeah, That's well, amazing. I'm, I'm very lucky because I live with a person who does the, uh, who does the book cover for me, and he did the editing. It was all self-published. And, um, you know, the, I'll tell you the reason, because people ask me this all the time, why did you self-publish? And the reason is that I heard early on that in order to get a publisher to take your book, you have to have a very large following. And at the time, I really didn't have a very large following. So I decided that my mission was to help these job seekers now and not to wait three years till I had a large following. Yeah. Now yeah. I have a large following, and I'm sure a publisher would be interested, but I would have wasted time, and those three years' worth of job seekers wouldn't have been able to find jobs, essentially. Right. So that's why I think I that's that great, way. and it's, I have found that having a book is a great way to grow your platform and grow your list. Is that something that you've experienced? Well, it's certainly a great way to get um, attention from uh, speaking venues. So when I call them and say, I'd like to come and speak for you and say, I'm an author, they always say, oh, okay. You know, they think that that's a really big deal. And so that has really helped me tremendously. It's also helped with radio. I mean, it's how you found me today. It's helped with radio, and I've done TV and radio and tons of uh, online sites and yeah, that's, it's helped a tremendous amount. That's fantastic. So before you wrote your book, what is it that you wish you knew? Like what would you change about the process of writing your book or how your book turned out based on what you've learned since it I was probably, published what, yeah. almost two years ago? Yeah, I would say that I probably would have paid for a professional editor um, I ended up having four people edit the book, two of them being me, so I edited it twice. I probably edited it more like five times when you really think about it. But then I had two other people edit it, and it just it still had mistakes in it. So I think that's what I would have done is I would have spent the money on a professional editor. Okay. And what, and what has been the result of not having a professional editor? Like what's... You know, is it just that you found typos, or is it that you spent yeah. too much time on it, or 
No, it's really just the typos. Is that when I found the typos, it was just, you know, you just want to, like, bang your head against the wall. Like, oh, I wish I had caught that one, you know? Right. It's It's amazing. It's like they appear overnight. Yeah, no, but it's just, it's sort of, it's embarrassing when people find your typos. And Mm. um, it's just, uh, I wish I would have spent the time also to republish the book. But at this point, I'm just, there's just so much going on in my world with seeking and touring and this and that. So I haven't had the time to republish it. So the errors are still there, but it's still a really good book despite the few errors. Right. And, you know, there's many, uh, you know, public, published books by, by big New York houses that I've found typos in. So Really? Oh, you're not the only one. Yeah. That really surprises me, actually. Happens all the time. It's just, yeah. I don't know, somehow they sneak in there. So yeah. when you started the process of writing your book, did you... Did you do anything to envision it completed? Did you imagine holding your book in your hand? Did you imagine sending it to speaking venues? Did you know what you wanted to do with it? Not really. I just knew that I imagined having a table at the speaking venue and promoting the book. But that's really what it was. Is I, I didn't imagine sending it to anybody. I didn't imagine the media attention. I just imagined having a book because I had been to so many seminars where other people had books at the back of the room, and I always bought everything that they have, so I just figured I could be one of those people. I could have great information to provide to my job seekers and help them get jobs. And why is it important to you to help job seekers? Why do you think that's – because that's clearly I'm hearing your personal why, the reason you're doing all this. Why do you think you're passionate about that? Well, it's because of the fact that all these years I've had to reject all these people. And the thing is that the people out there, they're making these teeny tiny little mistakes. And if I can just give them a tip that will make them not make one of these teeny tiny little mistakes, then they can get a job. So I feel a little bit personally responsible. Yeah. Can you give me some examples of the types of mistakes that people make? Of course, I have plenty of them. Um, here's, I mean, this is a simple something simple, right? So I had a job seeker come into an interview one day, and they plugged their cell phone into my wall. And the thing is, if you need to plug your cell phone in to charge it, it's totally fine. All you have to do is ask me permission. Can I borrow your wall to plug in your my cell phone, right? Right. It's just about asking permission, and it's about... Um, you know, it's my office, it's not your house. So that uh-huh. sort of says something. It says that this person doesn't respect authority or something. It's just, it was just weird. And, and was that it? So as a recruiter, yeah. he does that one thing and you don't even need to finish the interview? You're like, yeah, no, this isn't going to be the guy. No, it's, you know what, that's one of those things that it just makes you sort of like a little strike or it's like a little check in a flag or something. And it makes you think that, you know, keep that in mind when you're evaluating their qualifications. Because you're not just evaluating their skills, you're evaluating their fit for your company and you're evaluating their personality for your company. And so it's it's really about that. So is that person, is that type of personality going to fit well in my culture? So I wouldn't rule them out just for that. I had another guy take a call in the middle of an interview 
And what I found out later, I know that's ridiculous, but what I found out later was that his father was in the hospital and he was taking a call from his father in the hospital. Oh. And so, well, that's kind of a good reason. He of course probably it's a good reason. that up front. Yeah, you should have said to me, if my phone rings and it's an unknown number, I'm going to pick it up because it's my father who's in the hospital. I would have said, by all means. Like, of course you should do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's Wow. Just, it's these little things. So do you find the um, do you find that the tips that you have target younger job seekers or older job seekers? Did you have to like narrow down your target market in some way, or do the tips apply across the board? They really apply across the board, but certain age groups tend to do certain things more than others. So the the younger job seekers are the more likely ones to start texting in the middle of an interview, whereas someone who is 60 years old probably not going to do that because they know they shouldn't do that. But the people that are 60 years old have different issues, things that they might say during an interview. So they might say something like, yeah, I'm going to work for another five years and then I'm going to retire. You know, And mm-hmm. that's not a good thing to tell me either. So it's just... So now, so I will I tell you my my favorite job seeker mistake is, Please and this do. happened to me so often, was yeah. I would say, why are you interested in this job? And what is the wrong answer? Do you know the wrong answer to that? Um, there's a lot Be- of wrong answers, actually. Because I mean? need the money. Right. Well, that's, that's obviously the wrong answer. And very few people <laughs> tell me that. You want to know what they tell me? What? They start going through their whole background. So my question is, why do you want this job? And the answer is because I love your products, or it's a simple right. answer. It's like a one. No, it's I was born on a bio, right? and then we're going to yeah. go through that whole thing. Yeah. Right, and so then they end up saying, well, I would, they, go, they start walking me through their whole resume, and that's not what I wanted to know. I just want to know why you're interested in the position. So that's usually right. what people tell me. Or they just don't really have a good reason. But, yeah, when people say... When people say that they're desperate or act desperate, that's just a big no-no for us. It's so funny. This all sounds so much like dating. Mm, it does. It does. And it is much like dating. And that's huh. probably another book I should be writing, clearly. Right? <laughs> clearly, so I should be for, writing that book. So for you, um, what's something that having a book, what's something that's come out of having a book that surprised you or maybe been different than what you expected? Um, probably something that's different. I guess it's probably how much people, how much credibility people think that you have because you have a book. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I may be smart and I may be really good at what I do as a speaker and and I certainly have great information, but I guess what they do is they figure because you have a book, you're that much better. And I'm the same person, but because I have the book and I went through all the trouble to put the words into these beautiful, two nicely glossy pages, you know, then I must be even better. So that's what surprised me. And I knew that. Yeah, people told me that was going to happen, but I really didn't believe it. And it's so incredibly true. Oh, incredibly. Yeah. Wow. And um, so you said you wrote the book so quickly, I have to assume you didn't run into writer's box. 
No. But what were some all of the... Out. Yeah. Okay, yeah, clearly, <laughs> because that is fast, girl. Um, but why don't you talk to us about your process during those three months? Did you have a number of pages you wanted to write every day, or did you get up early and write, or how did that writing process go for you? Well, it was actually, what I did is I did it in a, in a chapter a day, kind of. That's really what it was. So I did one chapter, and um, so I may have had a little bit of writer's block on a particular day, but it wasn't like something that lasted for a very long time. But I would write one chapter a day, and then I would keep writing them, and I didn't know which order they were going to end up in until I started editing. So that was really how it worked. Because my book is um, 101 Job Search Secrets, so each one is very separate, so it's not like a novel where it's continuous. You know what I mean? Yes. So I think that's a great, let's stop there for a minute because I think that's a great tip. Did you come up with a name for the book before you even started writing? I did. Um, What I I love about this is if anybody is stuck on a topic, whatever they're, you know, whatever they're thinking about, right, if you're thinking about, you know, parenting or relationships or any, any topic you want to focus on, if you can turn it into 101 tips about it, I'm going to guess, I haven't. I actually haven't read your book, but I'm going to guess that each tip gets a page or two. That's it. That's how I did it. That's I feel like a 200 book. This all started when I went to hear Mark Victor Hansen talk, and Mark Victor Hansen is the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul with Jack Canfield. And mm-hmm. I heard Mark Victor, Mark Victor Hansen was teaching people about books, and he said that your book title the easiest way to write a book title is to put a number on it, like 101-something or 97-something or 20-something. And um, and then each and when he, as soon as he said that, I said, well, that's easy. I can write 100 tips in like 10 minutes because I've been living this stuff for my whole life. So that's how it happened. Wow. And so what, what were some other things that you went into the book knowing that you think have helped you? Because obviously that was a huge one. Yeah, well, I think something else I learned from another speaker is it was uh, fail forward fast, three Fs, fail forward fast. And what they said is just write it. Like don't worry about if it's great, just write it <laughs> and get it out there and worry about it later if it's great. And that's really what I did. I just plowed through it, and I said, I need this thing by January, and it has to be done, and it got done. So that was another really good tip, is to not wait. I love that. The one that my, when I was doing my PhD dissertation, my advisor said to me was, a good dissertation is a finished dissertation. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Very helpful. Uh, there was another person that inspired me, which is um, Barbara DeAngelis. She wrote yeah. a lot of relationship books and um, she had a a saying which was the world is waiting for your words and essentially Mm. she inspired me to just get it done just get it done it was at the same seminar that I met Mark Victor Hansen at it's a really powerful yeah it was a powerful week so what other so so you at least went to one seminar about writing a book before you did it what other things did you do to support your transformation into becoming an author um, well, I got on social media, and mm-hmm. that, to say the least, has been 
incredibly helpful. If I was alive 20 years ago writing a book, well, I was alive 20 years ago, but I mean, if 20 years ago I wrote a book or 30 years ago, I can't even imagine how this all would work. I can't imagine how I'd be promoting my tour without social media. It's just the world is so much better with the fact that we can all communicate online. So, and a lot of I, authors say, like, they want to write, they want they want their, you know, their words to get out there, but they're overwhelmed by the commitment required by social media. How did you, did you take a class or how did you, how did you get over that? Was that something that was hard for I you? Had, well, I had someone teach me how to use Twitter. I had someone teach me how to use LinkedIn. And I had Facebook. I just kind of went on and figured it out. And I just enjoyed it so much that I found it fun and I didn't find it too much time-consuming. So I just did a little bit every day. And I found a way to to do it in such a way that it wasn't intruding on everything else I was doing. Mm. So you actually didn't... You didn't stop your other work. You didn't stop your other efforts no. while you were writing. No, and that's something I would probably, oh, I would definitely recommend um, because, so I had a full-time job as a recruiter while I was writing this, and I know a lot of people, they think that the book is going to make them rich, and one of the things that Mark Victor Hansen taught me back then was that your book is really a business card, and mm-hmm. it's not be rich unless you're Mark Victor Hansen, and then it might, but you might get lucky. You might write a book that's a bestseller and that's fabulous and everyone wants to read it. That's definitely possible, but on the chance that it might not be, you have to come up with other ways to generate revenue, like becoming a speaker or um, affiliate relationships or having a business. So I still had my recruiting work that I was doing on the side while I was writing. So I was writing in my spare time, essentially. Fantastic. But it was only two pages so, a day. So it wasn't that hard. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think that's I think that's one of the big keys. And did you ever um was that a hard commitment to keep or was that something that was small enough that it wasn't a hard commitment to keep? It was small enough but at the same time there were days where I just I didn't feel like sitting down and writing. I just felt like you know, watching TV or having dinner with my friends or something. So, uh, you know. And what did you really do? What, what, what's your advice if that happens to people? They make a commitment. I have one uh, author who I've worked with who made a commitment of 15 minutes, three days a week. That was all she was willing to work on her book. But I have lots yeah. of other people that want to do an hour a day or two hours a day, the kind of commitment that you're saying. And, Every time they go to sit down, they aren't in the mood to write. So what do you recommend? Well, I think if you just have your sights set on a goal, like why you want the book, maybe it would be good to have a reason, like a really good reason. It should be just because I feel like it. But maybe it's New Year's Eve. Maybe you're going to have a New Year's party. And maybe you should schedule the party before you write the book so you can have the goal to write the book. So to set a deadline that really means something to you. Maybe you have your college reunion coming up and you want to bring the book to your college reunion, right? Then you have to get it done. This is my whole dieting strategy. If one of my friends is getting married, if somebody's having a birthday, like those are my best diets. That's it. Of course it is. And so if you have a reason, like a particular reason for your goal, it's much easier to accomplish. 
And for you, obviously, a big part of that reason was helping people, helping the very people that you had said no to and broken broken thousands of hearts, right? I know. Um, It's true. But what about from a business perspective? Has this had a financial impact? Have you been able to? I know that you're not, you know, making tons of money and retiring on a yacht because of book sales. (laughs) Not yet. Um, but are there other ways that you have been able to incorporate revenue streams into having a book? Yes. Well, it's all about speaking and speaking fees and um, people finding me online. I've had very major organizations find me online and uh, pay to have me be their spokesperson. I have someone who's interested in sponsoring me. So it's major organizations that are coming forth because of my presence on the web. Now, some and of it they're is really finding book, you? They're finding me, yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah. must be nice. It is nice. It's taken a lot of time to get here. It's taken about three years or so to get to this place. So uh, actually, if somebody would like, if there's somebody who is listening to our show and they would... They would like someone to call them and offer them money, a sponsorship or a speaking opportunity. What are some tips you would give them to make their progress? Just get your website, get the SEO going on your website, get on Facebook, get on Twitter, get a lot of followers, get on LinkedIn. I've got um, almost 12,000 on Twitter. I have 6,500 on LinkedIn, and I have about four or 5,000 on Facebook. And my website going well, and I also have... Um, and you know what? You said your website, but Abby is tricky, so I want everyone to go check this out. It's absolutely Abby, and Abby is spelled A, B as in boy, B as in boy, Y as in yellow. So absolutelyabby.com, and Abby does some interesting things up there. The first thing is this whole absolutely Abby idea. It's almost like instead of just having your name, you've turned it into a brand. How yep. did you decide to do that? Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you how I decided to do that. So I, my husband wanted us to have the website be abbycohart.com, which is very boring. And I wanted to have it be abbyunplugged.com. And mm-hmm. we were kind of arguing back and forth, back and forth. And so we said, you know what, let's ask our friends. So we sent out an email to all of our friends. Well, not all, like to 20, we gave it to 20 friends and family members. And we gave them 24 hours, and we said, we're going to have a job search site. We're going to give tips to job seekers. Which name would you like? And we went and looked for domains that were available with my name in it. And Absolutely Abby was one of them. And it was actually the fifth choice on the list, because I didn't think it was all that good. Mm. (laughs) And we sent it out. I like the alliteration. I know. And so we sent it out, and... More people liked Absolutely Abby. Like, no one liked Abby Kohut, and a few people liked Abby Unplugged, but it was, it was like, the overwhelming majority. So we picked Funny. it. That's why. And it's totally, fully become, yeah, I've fully become Absolutely Abby. Totally. Like, that it's, it's who I am absolutely fantastic. Thank so you. So that's a great <laughs> tip for, for people that are listening is see if there's a way you can make something special and memorable about your name, but not so special that it's tricky. <laughs> So absolutely, Abby is, you know, nice and easy to remember, and it's nothing too complicated, but it just makes Abby kind of stand out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you'll also see on this website, Abby wants to um, 
you know, she said that her main revenue stream is sponsorships and speaking engagements. And if you look at her website, you'll see that up front and center she mentions that she speaks and there's a part of the website where you can find out uh, about her speaking engagements. So she looks very busy and she includes a phone number and I think we even have a video here talking about, uh, I guess, what you do when you speak, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I so here's the thing, and we've only got like a minute left, but here's the thing is if you are writing your book right now and you, even if you're stumped, even if you have writer's block right now, you can start working on a website like Abby's. Look at Abby's website. You can put up your speaking events page even if you don't have speaking engagements yet, you can start moving in this direction while your book is still coming together. And there's also other other content she has up here. So some of your book you can turn into blog posts and really start getting um, that content on the web at the same time. So I think, you know, your your website is fantastic and it's a really great model for people to use that want to use their book to get speaking opportunities. Thank you. Yeah, well, this website is designed for speaking opportunities, and I have another website that's called meetabby.com. That's for job seekers to get a couple of free teleseminars that I did. So I um, usually give that one out if I have job seekers on the line. But awesome. And then I have another site for my tour, which is abbyacrossamerica.com, so everyone can go look at those three and see what I've done on all of them. That is awesome. Well, it has been so great to talk to you today, and um, I think you have so many good tips and such a great approach to making a book a part of a whole portfolio of of helping people, which is ultimately what it's all about and what feels good. So Yeah, it does. It feels great, and everyone should go get their book done, for sure. Yeah, awesome. Well, Abby Koha, who is the author of Absolutely Abby's 101 Job Search Secrets, you can find it on absolutelyabby.com. That's Abby with a Y. And we will be back next week with another author talking about uh, their book journey. And until then, as you continue on your book journey, just remember that together we are changing the world one book at a time. Begins the rest is still unwritten.